Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our South Shore campus pastor, Hector Rivera, continues our series titled Supernatural as he speaks on healing. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. God is good. Can we welcome our online viewers? Is that all right? Come on, Plant City, Pastor Michael and Julie Pippen. Can you give it up for South Shore? I love some South Shore family. We love you. Hey, can we really make some noise for our leadership, our lead pastors, Greg and Tamara Dumas? Pastor, we love you. You know, I want to thank you because I know the importance of giving up this platform. You know, but the way that our leader leads and our leadership leads, they're spiritual parents of the house, so they extend it to us like a good father does to his sons and daughters, right? You know, so I want to thank you, Pastor Greg, for the opportunity because I know you know that we stretch out before God. We get into his presence so that God can do something with us so that then we, he can do something through us. So I thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for allowing me this time. And I pray that I can be a blessing today to you. You know, that stretching before God and spending time in his word and spending hours before God I take that very serious, not a lightly pass through. I want to say 100% of what God wants me to say, 99% just won't do. Okay? I want to give the word of God because I too want to be fed. So I, I want to express how important it is for me and the privilege. So can we just give our leadership again a huge thank you and a huge honor? So we are in a series called Supernatural. I want to hurry up and pray because I'm, I'm dying to hear God speak, amen? You know, sometimes you just got to die to self, amen? I want to die real quick, amen, because I want God to speak real fast, Latin, real fast, amen? Let me pray and get out the way. Father, God, I ask you that you would speak in this moment. Lord, you have a message right here, Father God. I have spent time, Lord. I have spent hours, God, before you. I pray, Lord, that you would use as much as you want or as very little as you want, but God, that you would speak to your people, and that includes me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. So we're speaking on healing today. You know, and, and to be honest with you, I think that a lot of times we try to categorize Jesus, right, the power of God, and say, well, healing, healing for the, the, the sickness or some sort of ailment, or, 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 or we kind of categorize him in, well, I need healing in my knee, or cancer needs to be healed, but our God is a God of healing, period. Okay, he encompasses it all. So he doesn't just put categories. God is a God of the supernatural and of healing. But we've gotten away from that for so long. We've started to categorize things and separate things. So now the supernatural is a natural in the body of Christ. It's actually scary at times for us to experience things like this. It's like we've lost something that should have been natural to us. The power of God. You know... My daughter, she's uh, 24, and recently she, she 
got hit with COVID. And a lot, I know a lot of people have been hit with COVID. And I remember we, we were talking, and, and she had it bad for like two days. And, man, I praise God for the power of prayer. Amen. Because we covered that little girl. Amen. And, and, and let me tell you something. She, she came out of it like, like nothing. I thank God. But I remember she was talking to me, and she said, you know what, Dad? She said, um, I, was, uh, I, st- I still can't get my mind around this. She said, I can't smell or taste. And for me, I, I, don't, I can't understand it. I can't even wrap my mind around. I can't smell or taste either. I, I, don't, I don't understand how someone can eat something. And she started to express to me, she said, I'm eating something, knowing that I'm eating this thing, but yet I'm still not getting a taste for it, and I'm trying to smell it, and I know what it is, yet I can't smell it. She said, but you know what I'm going to do, Dad? She said, I'm going to get my taste and smell back. She said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab me a pizza. I'm going to order a pizza. I'm going to double up on pineapples and jalapenos. (laughs) She said, Dad, I'm not waiting to get my taste and smell back. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to figure this thing out, but I'm not just going to wait until someone says, this is how you get it back. I'm going to figure this thing out. So she got the pizza. She got the pineapple, the jalapenos. We talked later on, and I said, baby, did you get your, your taste and smell back? She said, you know what, Dad? I didn't get my taste and smell back. She said, but I tasted something sweet, and I tasted something hot. She said, but I'm going to get it back. Can I ask you a question, church? Have we lost our taste and smell to the power of healing? You see, I believe the enemy has been trying to desensitize us to the point where we can't see, hear, smell, touch. We can't even interact in the presence of God to see the power of healing because he has tried to desensitize us for so long. So now what should have been supernatural is no longer the natural. We don't operate in it because we think it's something of old, something that should have happened then to further the kingdom of God, but it's not for the now. I wonder if we're willing to create such an atmosphere with the presence of God that God can move right in the moment and create such a wave we can ride. Boy, I hope you brought your surfboard with you. We, we, we're about to get on a wave. I'm going to get right into the word, amen, because the Bible preaches all by itself. So if you would, go with me to John 5, chapter 5, John, the book of John, chapter 5, and I want to talk to you about a man by the pool of Bethesda. When you have it, say amen. 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 My goodness, about 10 people. We didn't bring, hey man, I got another one, 11, can I get 12, 12, can I get 13, 13, 14, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 16, 17, 17, 17, can I get an amen, amen. Did you have your Bible with you? Is it open? Hey, don't put the scriptures on there, amen. You're going to have to pull out your Bible today. How about that? We're going to go old school. Is that all right? You're going to be like, oh man, pastor, I forgot my iPhone. Oh my goodness. Here's what the Bible says. I'll read fast, so listen with me fast. John 5, verse 1, and he says, After these things there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos or porches. 
In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at a certain season in the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. Verse 5, a man was there who had been for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when, it, when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately, the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. I love this last piece of it. He said, now it was the Sabbath on that day. Here's the big idea, church. Where have you made your bed? Where have we made our bed? I love in the beginning of that verse because it says, after these things, this is verse 1. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Listen, whenever you read that, I love the Bible. I used to not do this. After what things? After these things, he says. After what things? Well, you got to go to chapter 4 and read that. This was, if you go to chapter 4, it talks about how Jesus was already getting ready. He was at the... At, at, uh, at the well with the Samaritan woman, and he began to tell her something about herself, amen? He started to heal a condition of the heart. And, and, and then he went into the city, and for two days he hung out, man, and they had a feast, and he began to speak into them and all that good stuff. And then there was a nobleman that needed healing for his child. And Jesus said, everyone's looking for miracle signs and wonders. He says, but no one will believe and have faith. He said, listen, go, your, 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 your child is made well. And the Bible says, at his word, he was made well. Are we taking God at his word? He said, at his word. He took it. By the time he got there to see his, son, his child, he ended up saying, man, it was around that same time when the words were spoken that the child was healed. And then we go into chapter 5. Now, why am I explaining all of this? Because God is in the miracle operating business. You see, he was getting to Jerusalem, and this is very important. He was getting there to, to attend a feast. Now, here's what's so important to me as I read chapter, verse 1 in chapter 5. He says, there was a feast of the Jews. We don't know what feast it was that Jesus went up to in Jerusalem. Verse 2, it says, now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. Let me tell you why this is so important. You see, the pool of Bethesda means house of mercy. The house of mercy was there filled with people that were sick, yet they were having a feast of sort all around them, and yet the sickly laid right slap in the middle of all that. In the house of mercy. So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why, why in the world would you just put these scriptures in here? Why didn't you just start off with, hey, there is a pool by the name of Bethesda? I asked God all kinds of questions. 
He said to me, son, he said, here's the deal. He said, the house of mercy was right slap in the middle of this festival that they could not attend. And it was probably something like Passover. I mean, something that celebrated the Jews where they had overcome, yet they couldn't even overcome themselves, but they can hear it all. And I said, well, what about the sheep's gate? He said, the sheep were the animals that would create an atonement for their sins. Imagine this. You in a sickly state, dead state even, sitting there in the middle of everything, and every single day you hear that sheep gate open, and you know someone's about to receive a sacrifice for their sin, yet you have to sit in it. Every day that sheep gate would open and they would hear, every single day they would sit there knowing that someone was about to have a sacrifice for their sin. The temple was not too far from this place as well. How can they be so close and yet so far? Church, have we gotten that way where we are so close to seeing a move of God, but we've hindered ourselves to be so far? I believe this is what happened with this man. I'll prove it to you. Verse 3. Verse 3 says, In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. Church, can I ask you a question? How long have you been waiting? How long have we been waiting for God to move in a certain area of our lives? Verse 4, for an angel of the Lord went down at a certain season in the pool and stirred up the water. He said, whoever then first after the stirring up of the water stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. 38 years, church. Listen, have we, the church, created porticos, porches called modern-day church where we tell people to gather, amen, and we don't decide to see the move of God? Have we just created a platform where the sick can come and we say, come, come, taste and see, but you won't die to self? Listen, I'm talking about churches across America. Amen. I know I'm probably going to get blasted for it. Here's the deal. We're creating these atmospheres to say, come, come, come. And yet we say, wait, wait, wait. We don't want it. I mean, I do want it, but I, I, I just don't want it like that. Listen, I'm ready to see the move of God. You see, this church, this house, we, don't, we, we ain't rolling that way. Our leadership is all about seeing the move of God, the miracle signs and wonders, amen. We don't have to see it, amen. We will expect it. In expectancy, we're going to step into it and believe that it shall be so. We got to start tearing down some of these porches. Porches to make people comfortable in a sickly state. Mind state, heart state, body state. Pull up your bed. Listen, I wasn't looking for a lot of amens today. I wasn't. Amen, because here's what the Lord told me. He said, son, you need to start opening your mouth. 
we have erected areas for us to come and lounge when God is trying to move through us. We're waiting on pastor to do something. Pastor waiting on you. Where, where have we made our bed, church? Verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there, this wrecked me, this verse, and knew. I never caught that in the scripture. When Jesus saw him there, and knew, he could have went to, he had already been, no, no, and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition. Jesus knew the condition that he was in. Listen to me, this is not for somebody, this is for a lot of somebodies. Jesus knows the condition that you are in. Do you believe it? He knows your circumstance. He knows the hidden things. He knows what you have behind the closet. He knows it all. He knows the condition that you came in right now and you're holding back the tears from letting them flow. He knows that condition too. He knows the facade that we put up, but when we get home, he knows how we release it. He sees it all. He knows you, son. He knows you, daughter. He knows you. Jesus knew the condition of this man. This man had been laying there for 38 years, church. His condition was 38 years old, older than Jesus. Yet Jesus knew him. This is how much the Father loves us, that he wants to know the condition. He said, man, I'm coming full body to experience what you're going through so that I can then crucify it on that tree. I love you. I know you. But Jesus asks some crazy questions sometimes. He says, listen, I know your condition. And he said to him, do you wish to get well? I mean, I, I said, Jesus, what kind of a question is this? Well, how are you going to ask this man? If you know he's 38 years hanging out there, you know his condition. How are you just going to ask him that? Jesus is just like messing with people, trying folk. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I don't, you see, I don't think Jesus was asking him in a sense of offering like, hey, buddy, you want me to help you? No, 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 no. I think Jesus is asking a lot of us nowadays like this. Do you finally want to get well? Are you ready to get well? Are you ready to release the sin that's besetting you, son, daughter? Are you ready? Church, where have we made our bed? Have we created a bunk beds? In, 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 in a place that we were just supposed to maybe pass through? We've erected the household. Come see me at my porch. We've decorated the place like you were supposed to move in and stay. Who lied to you? Who's lied to us? 
Could it have been that this man's identity became his sickness? His sickness became his identity, should I say? Could it be that we identify with the condition that we are in and then we create a porch and put our bed in it because we listen to the enemy far too long thinking this is the way it's going to be? So this is what you're going to be? And this is the way you're going to continue to live in it? Did his surroundings dictate to him his identity? How about that? Where are we stepping into and allowing things to influence us? Oh, come on. I mean, I know you know folk probably even here don't look at them too hard to act like a bunch of devils. Come on, keep it real. There are plenty of people that are allowing their surroundings to dictate to them their identity. I see it every single day, especially with the youth. What if Jesus, right now, I know this is crazy talk, but what if Jesus right now was in front of you asking you the same question, but you were full of excuses? No, no, not me. Verse 7, this sick man answered him. Jesus said, do you finally want to get right? And he said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when he is in there. You know, when the, when the angel comes and all that good stuff, I, no one helps me. Now, if I was Jesus, I, listen, I cannot be Jesus. I'm not. I don't want to be Jesus. If I was Jesus, I would have said, man, no one asked you that. You know, like, man, what's wrong with you? You know who I am. He didn't. He clearly didn't. He says, sir, no man is there to put me in the pool when the angel comes and he starts stirring the waters. 38 years. You don't think by now he'd have figured it out? 38 years. How long have you been in that state? How long are we going to allow for the enemy to tell us this is where you lie every day and every night? 38 years. You'd have thought he'd have figured something out. I mean, by year two or three, I'd have been like, listen, my bed is going to have floaties. It's going to have a motor. I'm going to live in the water. <laughs> Wrinkly. The angel would have dropped in. I'd have been like, bloop. Just dropped my hand right over the, bloop. You'd have thought he figured it out. Makes you wonder, do you think sometimes people don't want to be healed? Okay. You've lived with it so long. Listen, I know I used to do it. Lived in the same condition because the enemy told me I could not overcome what had happened in my life. So I said, you know what, I'm going to make my bed in it and I'm going to lie in it. I'm going to stay this way and this is the way it's going to be. I am going to be punished for it because I messed up. That isn't what God, that isn't what God said. I lived in it. So I made my bed in it and I said, this is the way it's going to be. I'm always going to be this way. This is just who I am. How many, how many of us? Come on. 
I'm just going to make my bed and lie in it. 38 years, how long is too long? When is enough enough? When are you going to get sick and tired of being sick and tired? 38 years. 38 years in that condition. You see, I've been taught this scripture, body of scripture, totally different than the way God enlightened me with it. Way different. You see, for a long time, I thought this guy was totally, totally incapable. I thought he was incapable of doing anything. I wonder, what did he do for 38 years when he had to go use the bathroom? <laughs> Think about it. When he got hungry, he wanted the Jerusalem Chick-fil-A. What do you think he did? No one would help him in the pool. You think someone's going to go help him to the bathroom? You see, the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightfully dividing the word of truth. You got to read the word. Don't just take my word because the answer is in the word. So as I was reading the scriptures, the Lord said, this man wasn't in the condition that you think he was, Hector. I'll prove it to you. He says, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down. But hold on a second. Are you telling me you staying in that same stank condition for 38 years, making a porch and bunk beds in a situation you can get yourself out of? Oh, my God. Man, I will. I will. Listen, you can hold. I'd be shimmy. I'd, I'd be. I'd be. Hold on. I'd, I'd be like. Bam. You know what I mean? Like, I. I, I would shimmy my way, I would roll my way into, man, I would, I would straight up be throwing elbows into, hey, get out my way, you step in my way, that's my blessing today. 38 years and we ain't figured it out, church? If God is in the miracle working business, then why have we limited him when he is a limitless God? That God can do something. He says, but when I'm coming, if I were Jesus again, I'd have said, Joker, you just tried to lie to me. You can move. Your toes are moving. But when I am coming, church, where have we made our bed? Where have we just grabbed that thing and this is it right here. This is all it's ever going to be. Oh, I prayed about a pastor. Pray without ceasing. Well, pastor, I just, you just don't know my, I don't know. God knows. He knows you. He knows your situation. You could be just on the cusp, right on the edge of breakthrough. But are you willing to shimmy your way to the edge and get your blessing? Yeah. 
38 years. Verse 8, Jesus said, get up, pick up your wallet, your, your, your pallet, and walk. Verse 9 says, immediately, I love this, Jesus doesn't even address his situation. You know what I mean? Because we get all deep and spiritual. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, come here. What does it hurt? Okay, right here. Come here. God in Jesus' name. Jesus didn't even address it. He said, I'm going to transfer power. You see, I'm a son. You're a son. You're a daughter. We can transfer power. He said, man, get up, pick up your bed, and walk. The man said, immediately. I said, immediately. That means immediately. <laughs> the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. And then he says, now it was on the Sabbath day. And I just love how God does things. You see, church, faith without works is dead. You see, you, you don't think that this man's illness and sickness was addressed and he didn't have a heart condition? You see, his heart was where the illness began. You see, a lot of body issues, illnesses that impact the body come from a condition, a wound of the heart. Anxieties and those different things, fears, they create other issues. We want the healing, but we don't want to be touched. So Jesus touches this man, and he takes action. The Bible says, and immediately the man picked up his pallet and began to walk. I, I have a good friend of mine. His name is Pablo and, and Robin, husband and wife, and they're good friends of mine, and, and I was talking to his, 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 his wife the other day at church. God wants us to take action. And I'm looking at this kid, and I have an image. I'm over here making a mess. He, he, this little boy, Emmanuel, was looking through the crack of that door. And as I'm looking at him, you know, because I'm all saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Spirit, you know what I mean? I was like, wow, God, that's deep. He was like, yeah, that's deep. He said, that's my people. My people, they know they can have access to all that, but they're just looking through this crack. So, you know, I'm just, because I'm so deep. I said, yeah, your people, man, they just. What are we going to do about it, Jesus? He said, I'm talking about you. He said, you're my child, too. I said, I said God, I'm not looking through this crack. I'm not looking like, like Manny here. He said, no, you're not looking through the crack. He said, you're looking through the window. And I gave you keys. I gave you access to open the doors to that hallway. Let me get that picture. Access. He gave me the keys. Listen, I dare you to grab your keys, just, 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 just to be silly. I dare you to grab your keys. You see, some of us are looking crazy, like, I'm not going to take my keys. I wonder if the guy that got told to pick up his pallet probably, you know, geez, I ain't going to pick up my pallet. You know what I'm saying? I mean, listen, he gave us access. 
You have the keys to the kingdom of God. You, you, got, you got access. Listen, I got this little fob. I regret not opening the door for Manny. I could have unlocked that door and let him in. I should have. You have access to the kingdom. Power that can be transferred into a situation and shifted. Where have you made your bed? Where? Verse 10. I'm going to read fast. I'm going to read this last 17 verses. This man did not know Jesus. He did not know him at all. I'll prove it to you. Verses 10 through 17, he says, So the Jews were saying to the man who, who was cured, It is the Sabbath, and it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. Listen, he was not sinning. That's like me carrying my cell phone on my Sabbath. That's like me maybe possibly driving a vehicle. That's like me having to put something in in a water pot. That wasn't the sin. The Pharisees got too legalistic and put a law that no one can even contain. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to heal on the Sabbath to show you that I created the Sabbath for man and not man for the Sabbath. Let me share. He says, but he answered them, he who made me well was the one who said to me, pick up your pallet and walk. And they asked him, well, who is this man that said this to you? Pick up your pallet and walk. But the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. He had no idea it was Jesus. A man in his condition did not know Christ, yet he was set free. I wonder what we delay on. Verse 14, he says, and afterwards Jesus, this is so profound to me. He says, afterwards Jesus found him. Jesus was looking for this man. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Jesus found this man. And I love this part because the revelation for me was, you see, this man had picked up his bed and walked. He honored exactly what God told him to do. He moved and he received. But Jesus went back to find him. And he said... Don't sin or something worse will come upon you. In other words, don't go back and lay your bed in a place you don't have no business laying it in. You see, sometimes we pick up our bed, we get set free, and we go right back to the very thing that hindered us. Where have you made your bed? You know, I saw this last scripture, and I, did, I wasn't going to use it until today. Verse 17. But he answered them, my father is working until now, and I myself am working. 
this verse to me is so deep because how can God be working when he's supposed to be Sabbathing? Now, listen, there's a lot of people that are going to give you a hundred different things. This is what the Lord said to me during my time spent in his presence. He said, Jesus saw the father working and he joined him. You see, Jesus saw the move of God and he said, I want a part of that. Let's go to Bethesda. He joined him. You know, Jesus healed seven different times on the Sabbath. Just messing with people. He's like, watch me rest in his presence. Lame men walk. Watch me rest in his presence. Blind eyes open. Watch me rest in his presence. Pick up your pallet and walk. We were on a camping trip. There's a group of men every year that we go out and we take them, we disciple them and turn them loose. Cut them loose, man. Cut them loose. I love to say that I came up with it, but I stole it from four amazing books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You buy four, you get 62 free. That's what Jesus did with the disciples. So we took them, we went, and... One of our guys that morning, that night, went to bed. He had twisted his ankle really bad, didn't say anything. He got up that morning, and he was limping very, very bad to the point that I was thinking, man, we're going to have to take him somewhere. This is going to mess this camping trip right up. And then somebody had an idea. They said, let's pray. I said, on my Sabbath? We laid hands on this guy. And he did one of these numbers. He did one of these. Uh, if, if you've seen someone fall out in the spirit, you know what I'm talking about. He did one of these numbers. And his eyeballs shifted. I said, oh, he's going down. I pulled my phone out. I had to, I had to stop praying. I said, I got to capture this. If I was techie, I'd have had the whole video. And this man hit the ground. Boom. One of the guys started praying over his ankle. He said, Pastor, it feels like a sponge. They began to pray. When he got up, his ankle was completely healed. He was jumping around like nothing had ever happened to him. You see, there are many pools of Bethesda today. Many gates that are flooded with sick, wanting for a stirring, a supernatural move to happen. But this time, church, it's just not going to happen the same way it happened before. If you're looking for a little ripple, it's not going to come. You see, I believe that God is looking for the stirring of waters, but he's looking for the living waters in you and me. He is looking for the waters to be stirred by his sons and daughters of God. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do here online. If there is something... That's besetting you, and you need to be touched right now. I'm going to ask you to get up right now online, watching South Shore Plant City here. If you need a move, I believe God wants to create a wave. 
I'm going to ask you to be bold and just stand up. See, I've gone too long with this thing. Too long I've waited. My house is a mess. This pain keeps me up at night. This is for somebody. I'm taking all these pills every night trying to medicate my pain. It's not working. If that's you, stand up. We hope you enjoyed that message from our campus pastor, Hector Rivera. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. And you can learn more about the upcoming Global Awakening Conference on our website. Just go to wearecrossing.com and click the banner there. Thanks for joining us. We can't wait to worship with you next weekend.